Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the show about the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. This week, when is violent conduct not violent conduct? When teams meet multiple times, does that make it easier or harder for referees? And when is a penalty run-up considered to have stopped? Also this week, why does one challenge get a yellow card, but a similar challenge in the same game go without a similar punishment? We'll talk about the ongoing and perhaps never-ending struggle for consistency. I'm Mike McCarthy, broadcaster and football journalist who spent most of the day eating too much chocolate. With me, uh, well, a man who I have absolutely no doubt has shown much greater self-control, yeah. former FIFA referee and ex-head of the PGMOL, Keith Hackett. Uh, Keith, just before we started recording, we've had yes. a good old debate about Maxwell Corner and, and what he did at West Ham today. Burnley getting a penalty in late in the first half at West Ham. Opportunity to go 2-0 up in the game. Maxwell Cornet steps up, begins his run-up, stops, and then continues his run-up towards the ball and puts it wide. Yeah. Now, we were trying to work out whether in all of that <laughs> he'd done anything wrong. Because I always thought, and maybe I, well, this is a misapprehension I've had for a long time, the law may have changed, or it may never have been a law, it may just have been a myth that I had in my head, that you were not allowed to stop during a run-up towards the penalty kick. But we have now established, thanks to some dedicated looking at the uh, the rule book, that Maxwell Corney has done nothing wrong here. Yeah, that's right, because... I think if he suddenly stops and goes to a complete halt and then delays the kick, right, then there's a problem. But in this situation, that that half stop, if you like, comes under the banner of fainting. Now, he, he can do that in his run-up. He can't do it when he gets to the ball. He's got to kick the ball. So I think it's I think it's an interesting one. I think that... I, I bet the referee was smiling when when he when he missed <laughs> because in, in that situation, of course, if he actually offends at the taking of a penalty kick, the kicker, and he either scores or he misses, right? The goal's ruled out. He's cautioned, and the game restarts with an indirect free kick. So this 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 is why I think Mike, as a referee. You're constantly reviewing the laws of the game to make certain that you're one up to date and your interpretation is correct. And I think it'll be interesting because I've not seen this particular incident. I'll be looking very closely later on uh, <laughs> to watch exactly what happened. It's extraordinary. And, and in fairness, congratulations to the referees who got this absolutely spot on, having addressed this law now. I, just in terms of then defining illegal fainting, Sunday mornings in the park, someone's running up towards the ball. When are they allowed to stop and when are they not allowed to stop? Can we say once you've planted your standing foot next to the ball, you can't stop then? Or can we go back a bit? When, is, as a referee, would you say enough is enough? I think the clarification is when you've planted your foot at the side of the ball, then you're expected to kick it. You can't faint at that point, particular point. You can't suddenly go as though you're going to kick it and then put your foot back and have another go. You can't do that. And so, therefore, I think in principle, uh, these are the things and the dilemmas that come into refereeing that create debate. This is why I've always been a strong advocate that every referee should be a member of the referees association, Mike. That you know, there's there's less of them now, less 
of the, the, the sort of areas. I mean, in Sheffield, we've, we've got a couple. Uh, but in reality, they meet on a monthly basis. This is the type of thing that they discuss. This is when, you know, the old guys, <laughs> I suppose I'm one of them now, get the referee's chart out and start to look at it and examine it and probably have a discussion with your pals in order to say, look, this is how interpretation goes. And I think it's, it's always wise. I mean, I've answered a number of emails this week on certain aspects of the law um, around decision-making. And I think sometimes you see something that you think is right because it's a Premier League referee. And in fact, that referee's interpreted the law incorrectly. So sometimes, you, you know, you, I'm pleased that referees don't always take it for granted. Well, absolutely. And uh, yeah, the only thing Maxwell Cornet did wrong was put the penalty wide, essentially, is what we've uh, uncovered after all of that. If you do have any knowledge of whether I was just making this up all in my head that you couldn't stop drawing a run-up or that was a law at some time, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk is where you can get in touch with the programme. Interesting weekend. We've had FA Cup semi-finals, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, Some great refereeing performances too. Jared Gillett fans, stand by. We will be singing his praises a little bit later. Can we start, though, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where uh, two of the most interesting interesting incidents happened this weekend uh, in Brighton's 1-0 victory at Spurs. Kulisevsky, uh, a player who was really lit up uh, Spurs' season at times, with an attempted elbow on Kukurea of Brighton. Uh, I'm not sure how much contact he eventually ended up making, but in terms of action, was enough taken, Keith? Well, I, I was disappointed because... I think Craig Pawson was in a reasonably good position, in fairness to him. We've obviously got VAR operating in Lee Mason. Um, I know that his brief is it's got to be clear and obvious. Well, if, if no action is taken on this particular incident, then it's clear and obvious. And I would have liked Craig, Craig Pawson to have revisited the, or visit at least the monitor. Look, there's no doubt that this player's got someone behind him, tracking him. And what he does is he clenches his fist and with a degree of venom uh, aims out. And I think he did make contact with the upper chest, but the player didn't help because he goes down clutching his face. And I'm going, here we go again. But the reality is this was an offence worthy of a red card and he should have had a red card. Players cannot use their... Elbow, which is a you know, it's a it's a bone in effect. It's a weapon, and uh, it doesn't matter whether the player's frustrated or not. He's lucky to survive. I would have expected him to have walked. Because no action was taken, is it something that the FA can look at later on? Well, I think the difficulty that the FA's got is that um, action can be taken if the match officials have not seen it, but. Then you you've got you've got the VAR, you've got to ask him, you've got to ask the referee, you've got to assist two assistants and the fourth official, and you have to say, I go back to the original thing is just a minute, you've how can you miss it? You know, there's enough of you watching this game to be able to say, look, that's a red card offence, and I and I'm I'm disappointed because I think that. 
Lee Mason was the, uh, and he's the only full-time VAR, didn't, didn't cover himself in glory because I'd have been saying to Craig Borson, you need to have a look at that. Look, none of us like to send referees off, but you need courage, you know. I was at a game this weekend where the referee had got a difficult in, enough match on his own in the middle of, of, of 22 players. But emanating and influencing those players were occupants of the technical area and there were too many of them. And they were undermining the referee. And I, and I'm, and I was waiting for that referee to actually do what he should have done earlier. He did it eventually. But let me say to young referees, the reason the laws of the game have come in that allows occupants of the technical area to get a red or yellow card is for the very reason that you're there to referee 22 players on the park. And when people can't behave off it, then move them. And so I'm, I'm beginning to say, look, don't bring it upon yourself as referees. Toughen up. You know, I said it in a national newspaper this week. I want referees to toughen up a bit. We're all, they're all trying to, you know, the, the problem they've got is that referees are trying to aim for promotion, Mike, often from level four to five or five to four, whatever the system is. And the influence of the manager's mark or the club secretary's mark it's 50% of the value of the mark that's afforded. And therefore, a bad mark by the club official can actually affect a career of a referee. And I think referees have just got to say, look, ignore that. You know, go for a clear understanding that you're a pretty tough referee and you've got the courage to deal with people when it happens. It's, I mean... I'm not sure many people, I mean, it's a bit of a tangent, we'll come back to the Premier League later because I want to explore this a bit more. It's a bit strange as a system, it appears to me. You wouldn't have prosecution and defence lawyers marking a judge out of 10 based on the court case they just had. Because well, you kind of know what would happen, wouldn't you? Well, that, that's the nonsense. Of, that's the, if, it's not a nonsense. That there are, that look, there are many honourable secretaries who put a great deal of thought into the marking system. But if you're the manager of the team that's just lost, are you suddenly go and say, that referee's wonderful? You know, we're living in a blame culture, aren't we? You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the referee to blame. You know, young Johnny is playing on the pitch, and because he's not scoring goals, it's this referee's fault. You know, this whole, this whole culture, to some degree, um, I think, is, is taking referees away from the game because they're not enjoying it as much. And I, and I went into the dressing room on Saturday and, and chatted at length with the referee because I know that he would be not happy that he'd received so much abuse from the side of the pitch. And I wanted him first to know, to, to know look, this was, this was a game that was very, very difficult. And it was made to some degree more difficult because he didn't, it wasn't as tough as he should have been, mm. you know? And I think this is where referees have got this fine line. And at the end of the day, I think they've got to go out and say, I'm here to enjoy myself. 
I want the players to enjoy themselves. And anybody else that's trying to detract from that, right, and they go over the top, I'm going to report them or I'm going to yellow or red card them. Speaking of yellow and red cards, to go back to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, could Craig Pawson have issued a second yellow uh, to Mwepu, who was booked for essentially being a little bit late into a challenge, standing on top of a Tottenham player's foot, and then a second offence, which is, for my eyes, well, almost identical, but no second yellow. No, what uh, Craig Pawson decided to do is call the captain across and, and give him a chat. Look, I think that Craig Pawson is in with a shout of the FA Cup final this year. I think he's an international referee. He's the Premier League. Okay, he has a different style of refereeing to me and quite a few others. I think he's a bit too soft. I think in uh, Jeff Winter's words, and I can remember him saying this to Mike Riley, you need to sharpen up and toughen up, Bonnie lad. Uh, to Mike Riley, uh, who was having not a great time as a referee. And I think I'm saying that to Craig Pawson. Look, you've got people now who were behind you in the list of referees who are now going ahead of you. And these are young referees coming through. And as a young guy, he's relatively young, he just needs to put more, more, more thought into his game and be a little bit more selfish to say, look, I'm I'm here to apply the laws of the game. I'm going to apply them. This player should have gone. And again, because, and just to clarify this from a VAR point of view, because it would have been only a yellow card event Can't at this in. point, Lee Mason couldn't have got involved and said, that's a yellow, that should be a second yellow, and therefore no. a red. That's not something Lee Mason can do. I absolutely can't do that. Um, and that's where it's a nonsense, isn't it? I mean, I, I just, I just think we've got. It's, it's like uh, you know, it's having, it's like having a, a a radio with thousands of stations. But by the way, you're only allowed to look at what, listen to one. I mean, <laughs> it, it, look, we, we from a professional you know. point of view, that might work as long as it's the one that I work for. So you know, I can't. <laughs> well, I often, I often watch TV and listen to the radio, Mike, because I get, I get. I get the passion coming through. I'm not having to go TV commentators. I get the passion coming through a little more. I get the pictures flavor. are better on the radio, Keith. I tell you what, nil nils yeah. sound a lot better on the radio too. I, yeah. I tend to find. Um, speaking of games that perhaps sound a little bit better on the radio than they were to watch, the FA Cup semi final between Chelsea and Crystal Palace uh, might fall into that category. A bit like Leicester Southampton last season, which was a pretty dull and awful game, but ended up with uh, Leicester going through. Chelsea getting the job done eventually, but not before Kai Havertz had tried to get one over on Anthony Taylor, who spotted it very well this time. I thought Anthony Taylor, I mean, he had the game in midweek. He had the Man City uh, game, and I thought he did really, really well. Uh, Today... You know, I know Wembley, it's a big pitch. It's it, it really does sap the energy. He got plenty of reserve. He moved around the field. He did everything that gets the right decision because he's in the right position. He's absolutely, he could have tapped these two players on the shoulder, Mike, to say, look, that's a dive. It was outrageous. It was an outrageous dive by the Palace player and and rightly, uh, rightly cautioned. Um, no question. 
I might have gotten the wrong team. Yeah, but, so, but, sorry, uh, Kai Havertz yeah. of Chelsea, yeah, who went down. Yeah, yeah. it's Havertz. Uh, I mean, look, um, there was an, an, an amusing incident as well in that in the game, and that was balloons on the pitch before the kickoff, and rightly. He wasn't going to go ahead until those balloons had been removed. He actually did start the game, and then a balloon appeared, and he stopped it again to make certain that balloon was burst. That's around the, the two incidents that, that occurred in the past. The one was balloons at Bramall Lane, where somebody kicked the ball towards goal, and the goalkeeper went for the deflected balloon rather than the ball, and that caused a great deal of controversy. <laughs> And then there was uh, the space opera in, in one of the games that also created a problem. Yeah, Pepe Reina won't be uh, thankful yeah. for that reference again. But uh, yeah. yeah, Sunderland I, getting I the think, benefit of that. Yeah, I think Taylor's banging form and he's banging form at the right time because, you know, a month before the World Cup starts, the referees are going to be selected. They've been going to training camps, him and Oliver, on a regular basis. Michael Oliver's got to uh, step up a gear, I think. Well, yeah, what did you make of of, of Saturday's uh, semi-final between Liverpool and Manchester City? Yet another meeting between these two sides. Uh, last week, we talked about Anthony Taylor and, and maybe could one of the Liverpool midfielders have gone uh, in terms of Thiago or, or uh, you know, um, uh, Fabinho, who had interesting challenges to discuss. Fernandinho this time with a challenge on Mane that was a yellow card in the eyes of the referee. Um, yeah. What did you make of that one, Keith? I think there were two challenges by the same player, and I think he should have gone. Um, and I, I, you know, I, again, this is this is. I looked at it and I thought, you know, this this player's got to go, and at the level that Michael's operating, and within Europe and within the world game, right? They don't like any form of brutality, and they don't like referees trying to manage effectively areas where a caution, a yellow card should be issued. So I don't think Michael had one of his better games. Hey, look, he's still a good referee and he's, you know, but I think he missed out. I think he missed that. Uh, Again, it it reiterates what I've said earlier, and that is, look, get a life by being the referee. You've got to have the courage. You're there to control. They've got to apply and play within the laws of the game. And that's what they should do. When it comes to these two sides meeting again, and it may well happen in the Champions League final for for you yeah. know, it could well happen again. What is it like for referees having to prepare for these matches? Does the fact that you've got a lot of recent history to go on help out in terms of preparation, or does the fact that they've met quite recently, in this case, in the last week, mean that there could still be issues from the week before? that might bubble over if not addressed quite quickly in the next game, for example? Is there, are, are there things, what sort of things do you need to think about as a referee going into those sort of well, games? I, I think the important thing about modern refereeing is that they prepare thoroughly. You know, that's why they were given a full-time role. And that is to look at the videos, look at the players, look at the tactics, recognise the changes that might occur during the course of the game when he's, when he's got the team sheet in front of him one hour before kickoff. He looks at the subs and says, right, if that that substitute comes on, he knows there's going to be a tactical change. It might be a change where, you know, the the manager's decided to close up shop or he's changing from playing the ball from the back. It's going to be a long ball. You've got to adjust your position as referee. So knowledge in refereeing is, is really important and you've got to be aware of that. And, uh, 
you're trying to ensure it doesn't influence. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're better prepared, then you can, if, if there's something that might run out of control, you can get in earlier. Mm. I need to get in. I just need to have a quiet word. Look, I'm here. I'm keeping an eye on you, mate. Uh, and I think I think those are part and parcel of the, of the process of a referee. How much yeah, of a fine line is, is it then? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Keith. How much of a fine line is it then when you've got, uh, you know, a player and, and fans talk about this uh, a fair bit that a player has a, a certain reputation for want of a better way of expressing it, and therefore referees may be more likely to get a card out if a certain player is then deemed to have committed a foul that perhaps another player might not be carded for. How do you go about addressing those sorts of, of thoughts that go ahead before a game when you're in the middle of that? I think what you've got to do is you know full well that when you blow the whistle, it's a clean slate, but you're prepared and you don't prejudge. And so the the, the thing is, the game that took place last week might be ten, entirely different this and of course, this used to happen regularly to me in Europe, where you had an home and away leg game. You knew sometimes that if we, if it was an an home leg, the uh, the away team in that situation would come and shut up shop from minute one and start time wasting and time delaying and all those sort of tactics. So I think you've got to be aware of all those things, and then you've got to work hard at encouraging the game to to go ahead. The point I was trying to make was, um, Mike, was I watched the, the semi-final today at, at Wembley and it, I thought it, it, it hinged on being boring. And, I, and I, just, I just feel, you know, I go back and maybe I'm a traditionalist, but I can remember refereeing semi-finals at, at Villa Park, at Spurs, you know, Arsenal. Um, and the atmosphere seemed to be like on top of everybody. Mm. And I just think at times when teams go to Wembley, even the England team, we start trying to play a different game. We don't play the English game. We, we start knocking it around, passing it and trying to be too technical. And you just, yeah, I just felt today that you want to pull the two captains together like the boxing referee does and says to them, look, are we going to have a fight or are we not going to have a fight? <laughs> You know, you don't want that in football. But I just, I just, I just felt that it would like. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of uh, football supporters that would love to have seen Liverpool, Man City, and Old Trafford, which makes yeah, yeah. perfect yeah. sense from a logistical yeah, point of view, yeah. and particularly with the trains not operating this season, uh, this this weekend. Uh, you know, I mean, there was all sorts of complications there, which made life a lot yeah. harder for for fans. But, but I think ultimately it's a money thing, isn't it? And uh, well, well, the I, I think needs yeah. the income to come in for the uh, you know because of COVID and all sorts of bits and pieces, and it'll be years before it moves. Yeah, they've got to pay for Wembley. It's as simple as that. And and they've got to occupy Wembley for more than just football. But the ultimate aim is football, and that, I understand all that. I just I just think that you know it's a little bit like taking the replays away. I understand that as well to some degree, uh, but at some stage, I hope they're going to go back. You know, we're going to get replays because I think that's part of, like, the history of the cup. Okay, you know, people will disagree, but I just I just think that I'm a traditionalist. You know, the FA Cup, uh, you know, I, I can remember first running out in 
beginning of August and asking somebody, is this the, is this actually the FA Cup? Is this the one that he played for in May? You know, as a young referee, <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody said, yeah, it is. Wow, I didn't realise. I didn't realise, like, non-league clubs were were in the tournament. Okay, naively. I was a young kid, but then when you, you know, participated in games with non-league and league clubs, it's just a different atmosphere. You, you, you know, I used to walk around the stadium and you got the butcher's shop and all of a sudden they're selling blue blue sausages and people's faces and everybody's an hero and you suddenly yeah. think, but this is just the third round. No one in the <laughs> final. But for them... It's a final. Yeah. And we've seen some great ties this season. I mean, Kilominster West Ham oh, uh, sticks out immediately. And there's some, been some great games this season. Hopefully, uh, a Liverpool-Chelsea final will deliver as well. I'm sure it will. Let's hand out some praise. Jarrett Gillett, uh, Newcastle 2, Leicester 1. A um, couple of bits and pieces in, in here. VAR used well to identify the fact that Kasper Schmeichel didn't have his hands on the ball when Gimoresh made it 1-1. Yeah, but there's a terrific advantage as well that's played at the end for a 95th minute winner for Newcastle. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, Mike, it goes back to that. I think that at the Premier League, and I keep saying it, it's a young man's game. Referees have got to be athletic. They've got to look athletic. They've got to be athletic. They make the correct decisions when they're in the zone. They're in proximity to play. They get the right viewing angle. And and this weekend, Jared Gillett delivered big time. He's got that extra pace. Anthony Taylor in his semi-final at Wembley, big pitch. You know, he's he's about four yards away when he says that's a dive. I, I thought, you know, and even Peter Banks, who's, you know, one of one of the guys that's not really being given a chance, um, delivered because kept the game flowing and he was able to keep the game flowing because he was in close proximity to play, talking to players. And in a, in a sense, all three of them were pretty low-key. They got on with the job because players were accepting their decisions and they weren't overreacting. So for me, I think it's been a really good weekend for, for refereeing. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that really sits there, bangs the drum and criticises but it, it shows that this weekend some care has been taken in terms of who's got what game and how those individuals have, have been delivered. I mean, I know uh, you would want Jared Gillett to get more games than he has so far this season, but promising for, for next year for him? Well, I, look, I think it was, it's a no-brainer, Mike. Gerard was the number one referee in Australia. And, and people can say, oh, well, it's the A-League's not the Premier League. He battled through from grassroots football to become Australia's number one referee um, and gained international status. Here's a guy who gave that up because he needed to come to England to do research at Liverpool University, you know, because he's, he wasn't a full-time referee. Therefore, his, his living, his, his mortgage and all that goes with it is, is his research work at that particular time. And we take him on. I would have put him straight on the Premier League because I'd seen a number of games where he was outstanding. So for me, he's now getting those games, he's getting the feel, and that's good on it. But then there's another guy this week that I want to mention. That's Tony Harrington. Now, I don't know Tony at all, really. 
I've watched him referee. He's a good referee. Now, he was also promoted at the beginning of the season. And in a few days' time, he's taking his second Premier League game of the season. Now, Mike, in anybody's books, that can't be right. You you know, you, you need to get these guys in and, and say, right, OK, that range 5 to 10 is so important so that they can establish themselves. And you as a referee coach can operate and advise. I mean, it, what, what has he learned? Other than his bank balance has improved because he's, he's a full-time referee getting paid SG1 rates. He wants the referee. Let's hope the game goes well for him at Newcastle. The atmosphere will be terrific. Fingers crossed for Tony Harrington. Best of luck to him. Now, before we go, Keith, uh, I did just want to get your your thoughts on the uh, Atletico Madrid-Man City game from the Champions League in midweek. I mean, this was a game that was littered with niggly challenges, cheap shots, all sorts of bits and pieces for referees to kind of keep control of. What kind of strategies can you use as a referee to deal with Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid. What oh, can you do? Oh, I'll tell you. I, I, I'm, I'm dead. That's the easy one. He, he gets shipped. I wouldn't put up with that. He, he gets... Look, I, there's a process. You can talk, you can yellow, you can red. Right? If you need to go through those three, go through those three. But this, this guy's over the top. For me, he should have been. He should have been binned. You know, and and therefore, I think the referee was fortunate because I watch uh, Pep Guardiola. I listen to his comments. He won't comment about referees. He doesn't get engaged. He does his job. He knows what his job is. And he's no doubt saying that to the players. Your job is to play football, you know, and to my, to my sort of management tactics that I'm going to employ. I thought the referee was out of his depth. I hate to say that about an international referee. I think um, there are several steps that he should have taken. You know, I think that he was... Clearly, yellow cards were late in coming out. They were not having the desired effect. Stop the game. Call the captains across. Read the right act. The right act, by the way, is I want an improvement because you don't want to... You don't want to say the next one or, you know, keep your options open. I want a general improvement. What's happening here, guys, is poor for the image of the game. And I'll tell you now, I would have taken them off. I would have taken both teams off. Really? I'd have got the UEFA delegate in and I would set a UEFA delegate. You better have a word with both teams and sort them. Because this is tarnishing the image of the game and UEFA are like the Premier League this you know we don't want to see those types of games being beamed around the world there's some people who take great great pleasure and say wow what a game you know blood and thunder and all that uh, I think it was I think it was a very difficult game for this referee and I think he showed at times you know, let's take the simple thing where they went into the corner and there was a real sort of mass confrontation. Mm. The basic principle of a mass confrontation, first of all, is, is don't get involved. 
stand off and watch, but shout, blow the whistle. The whistle is the key factor. It stops people. Your assistants come in and they observe. Then once you've got all the players back on the field to play, you go red, red, yellow, yellow. Who are the reds? Who are the yellows? You can't come away from that do nothing and especially when there's a lot of video evidence there as well i mean you know it wasn't just the fact that you know they would have seen what in real time what happened but they could have looked at any amount of video well, i mean uh, you've got to ask where the var is look it's easy in the light of the day to be able to see these things but you expect an international referee from germany that that you know has developed lots of referees but, you know, they're going to... There's a bit of a lull in UEFA as there is in the English Premier League. And that is, you know, when you look, uh, they've, they've, they've lost uh, Kunit Kakia, top referee, Felix Bright from Germany, uh, the Belgian uh, referee, top referee, um, you know. And, and I think as, a, as a Bjorn Kuypers, I was trying to remember his name, there are three really outstanding referees that have been lost in, in the last season. So for me, I don't think it was a good appointment. Mm. Well, I'd love to get your thoughts as well on that particular game and, and how you go about handling Atletico Madrid. And if you agree with uh, Keith's view or if you disagree, you're very welcome to get in touch as well. Hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk is our email address. That is our show. Thank you very much for being with us and, and joining us on the podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, subscribe wherever you, so you get your podcasts and leave a rating and a review as well. And as always, we will see you next time. Thanks, Mike.